Good morning, ladies. If you'll come in and take a seat, that would be great, and we'll get started. Uh, Michelle wanted me to remind you that if you guys have any questions that come up during your discussion group time or even at home during the study, please pick up one of these um, three by five cards, take a couple with you, write them down, bring them back, put them back on the, night, the nightstand. My thoughts are still in bed, I guess. Put them back on the um, music stand, and then we will do our best to answer them for you. So please, pick up some of these on your way out today and uh, jot down some questions, and we would love to help you, equip you um, to answer some of those hard questions that we come up with that we don't know how to necessarily answer. So anyway, um, happy spring, yes. I put on the pink today, I was like, no dark colors. So. Um, it's been said that people's number one fear is what? Public speaking, it's a fear I have, um, clearly. So I'm thinking if public speaking is a number one fear, what do you think the number one fear of evangelical Christians is? Witnessing, speaking about Christ. That is our number one fear. So you would all probably agree with that, wouldn't you? Towards that end, I did a little research and this is from the Billy Graham crusade. He apparently did a survey at one of his crusades, and he asked the question, why don't you witness? And this is the um, result. 28% said they didn't feel adequate. 12% said they felt like a hypocrite, that their lives didn't match up with scripture. And the majority said that they feared how people would respond or react to them. And under that fear, we fear ridicule, we fear rejection, we fear that people are gonna call us a fanatic or even a crazy Christian, which is good, because we are, right? So own that one. We are crazy about Jesus Christ. There are some legitimate fears, though. As a woman, I sometimes fear that I might be attacked sometime. That's a legitimate fear. But that's not the fear that, Paul, or that we're talking about today. There are valid fears, there are natural fears. And one of those fears is witnessing about Jesus Christ. However, whatever your fear may be, whether it's feeling inadequate, not knowing enough scripture, fearing what people may think about you, we cannot use that fear as justifiable excuses for not sharing the gospel. We've all been called according to Matthew 28, 19 through 20, to go make disciples, teach the word, and baptize. That is a commission that God has given us, and we can't get away from that. Fear is actually a feeling. It means panic, fright, terror, flight, to withdraw or flee so as to avoid something or someone that you dread. When we fear something, like if I feel like I'm gonna be attacked and there's a fear that comes over me, that's a good fear. I'm gonna to wanna to flee. I'm gonna to want to withdraw from that person because I don't want them to harm me. I dread what they're gonna to do to me. That is a good, legitimate fear. However, that's not the fear we're talking about this morning in the context of witnessing. You may feel like you wanna flee or withdraw or bolt, but don't. And I'm gonna teach you how, because we can overcome that fear, which I'm gonna talk about in a few minutes. So fear is 
basically fright. We're terrified. Fear is not from God. It just isn't. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, I want, I want us all to recite that together aloud because I want that to sink deep into your heart. So say with me, ready? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And sound mind just translates into sound judgment or discernment. Those are the spirits that God has given us. So where does fear in the context of witnessing come from? Well, it comes from our good old enemy, Satan. And I want to give you just a brief introduction to who he is, because it's good to know who our enemy is. So he was a created angel. And created being, he has limited power. Unlike the Holy Spirit that we learned about in my last lecture, and if you need to refresh your memory, please go back and listen to that. But unlike the Holy Spirit, Satan is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. And he is not omnipotent. He has limited powers. Although they're great powers, they're limited. He's also a fallen angel. We read about that in the book of Isaiah. He, at one point, wanted to become God, even greater than God. And there's only one God. And so God took his pride and his arrogance, and he said, you're out of here. So he kicked him out of heaven, and he took with him a whole slew of angels, which we refer to as demons. But they're still angels. So Satan is a fallen angel. That means he's now an enemy of God. He's also a deceiver and a tempter. And we see that evidenced in his deception of Eve in the garden and his temptation of her, and also the temptation of Jesus Christ in the wilderness. So he's a deceiver and a tempter. He's also the father of lies. When you're in a witnessing situation, or even in general, when you hear this little voice that says, you're not good enough, you're not adequate enough, you are no good, those are lies. Outright lies of Satan. Do not listen to them. He's also an adversary. He's the enemy of God, and he's also the enemy of God's children, which is you and me. He is actually equated or symbolically equated to a lion who goes about roaring across the earth looking for someone to devour. His whole premise is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Towards that end, what do you think he's going to use against us? He's going to use our fears. He's going to use any tactic or scheme he can to keep us from preaching the gospel, from telling people about the wonderful love of Jesus Christ that he did for us. That's one of his greatest schemes. He wants to shut us down and shut us up. Towards that end, I want to talk about how we can overcome our fears because we're going to have them. When the Holy Spirit prompts us and provides an opportunity for us to share the gospel, you're going to start feeling those anxious fears inside of you. Your heart's going to start pounding. Your palms are going to start getting sweaty. Your mouth is probably going to dry up. And you know that the Holy Spirit is providing an opportunity for you to share the gospel. 
Acknowledge that fear. If we acknowledge that fear that's within us, it strips away the power. It dispels the fear within us. So go ahead and acknowledge it. Also recognize who that fear's from in the context of witnessing. I'm not talking about any other context, but in witnessing. Know that Satan is coming after you. Whenever an opportunity arises that the, the gospel is going to be preached, you better know he's going to come and try to stop it. He's going to try to shut you down and shut you up. So recognize that he is at, behind that. Also recognize that he's telling you lies. Those lies that you don't know enough, that you're not adequate enough. Because again, he wants to stop the gospel from going out. Secondly, rely on the Holy Spirit. This is one of my absolute favorite scripture verses. Greater is he, the Holy Spirit, who is in you than he who is in this world. Remember, Satan has power, but it's limited. The Holy Spirit's power is much greater than Satan's. And because you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. The Holy Spirit is the one, remember, he emboldens us to speak truth. He helps us to step out in courage against the fears that we have. He gives us courage and boldness to speak the truth. Thirdly, live out love. Live out love. Love is always going to trump fear because scripture tells us perfect love casts out fear. Our genuine love for the lost, whether it's a family member or a coworker or a neighbor, whomever it is, our genuine love should propel us forward to take that risk, whether it's our reputation, our status, even our life, should prompt us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus did, correct? Jesus loved us so much. He risked his reputation. He risked his status. He even risked his very life for us. Why? Because he loved us. Did you know that Jesus had a moment of fear? In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before his crucifixion, he was in the garden, he was kneeling and praying, and he started sweating great drops of blood. This is probably, in my opinion, the most human um, aspect of Jesus that we see. And in that moment, he says, Father, if it is your will, let this cap, cup pass from me. He's fearful. He knows what's coming. The next day, he's going to be nailed to a cross. He's going to die an excruciating death. He's fearful. But his next breath is, not my will, but yours be done. Love propelled him over his fear out of obedience to God and love for us. And he did go to the cross. That's our supreme example. When we're fearful, and we're not even being asked to lay down our lives like Jesus did. That should be what prompts us to share the gospel, risking it all, even our reputation, our status, even our life, for the sake of the gospel. Fourthly, and I'm going to quote a popular action figure here, knowing is half the battle. 
I actually knew that from my husband. He used to say that to me when I would be like, I don't know. Well, knowing's half the battle. Okay. So I looked it up. G.I. Joe. It comes from him. Actually, I guess at the, I had to Google this. At the end of every episode, G.I. Joe would do this like public service announcement. And he'd have a group of kids. He was teaching them something. And it'd be like safety in crossing the street or don't talk to strangers. And then the kids would respond after that. Well, now we know. And G.I. Joe would say, knowing is half the battle. In that sense, knowing is half the battle as far as scripture goes for us. Knowing the word is what's going to equip us to be able to defend the gospel, to be able to explain the gospel when an opportunity arises. So knowing is half the battle. Toward that end, let me encourage you to be in the word on a regular basis. And I don't know what your season of life is. Many of you have young children, you're busy, you have lots going on. Even if it's 15 minutes every day or every other day, as time permits, as your kids get older, get more dependent, you'll have more free time. Please do more intense studies, either a topical study or a study on a person in the Bible. Know the word so that when the Holy Spirit provides an opportunity like Philip, you're going to be able to come alongside that person and explain scripture to them in the hopes of sharing the gospel with them. Study the word. I already talked about that. And memorize the word. Have maybe one or two scriptures that speak about the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ. Have them in your minds so that when the opportunity arises, you'll just automatically think about it and it'll come up. So knowing the word is half the battle. So what do you think the other half of the battle is? Anybody? Doing. (laughs) Doing, which means apply the word. Basically, if we know the word, now we're responsible to give that word away. Remember back Matthew 28, go, make disciples, teaching, preaching, baptizing. That is the doing part of the gospel that God calls us to. None of us are exempt from that. So know the gospel and then give the gospel away. So apply the word. Now I put on my inner Dr. Seuss for this one. The more you know, the more you grow. The more you grow, the more you sow, right? The more you know scripture, the more you're gonna grow yourself. You're gonna become more solid in your beliefs and your convictions. And then when an opportunity comes up, you're gonna be more confident when you sow the word for somebody else. So jot that down, it's gonna come up, I know. Seriously. So apply the word, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Uh, Where am I, fifth? Pray. Pray about your fear. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. That's a promise we can claim. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your fear be made known to God. When you're in an opportunity to share the gospel, acknowledge the fear and then start praying about it. Lord, I am feeling anxious here. I don't want to open my mouth, but I know you want me to. Help me to overcome that fear. Holy Spirit, help me. Give me the words. Pray about it. And God is 
going to deliver you from that fear. Because why? He wants you to talk about his son. The love story that he has, the redemption that he has given mankind. We don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of love and power and sound mind. And you better believe God's going to answer that prayer that you started praying about it. Lastly, this goes back to fearing people's responses and reactions. It's true. We are going to experience some persecution. It's going to be different for everybody. But Jesus forewarned us. He wants us to know that we are going to experience persecution. Why? So that we won't be taken off guard. So, ex so expect some. I don't know what it'll look like for each of you, but you need to expect some persecution. And Jesus says that the prophets did. So we know that if the prophets experience persecution, we probably will too. So this is what some of the prophets experienced. They were tortured. They suffered mockings, floggings, sawn in two. They were imprisoned and stoned and killed by the sword. Now, it's probably safe to say that none of us are going to experience that. But, so it kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? So if somebody makes fun of you, you're like, well, at least I didn't get sawn in two, <laughs> right? I can handle being mocked at. And it's not just the prophets, it's the apostles as well. Look what they suffered. Most of them were crucified. Some of them were stoned to death. Some were stabbed, clubbed. I think the only apostle that really escaped anything was the apostle John, although he was exiled on, on an island. He died of old age. So most of us really want, to want that one, don't we? But the thing is, we can expect persecution. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So expect it. Be forewarned is to be forearmed. But even in that verse, I'm going to go back to it, there's a blessing. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Was anybody at the women's retreat with Lisa Harper? Does anybody remember what blessed means? You can shout it. Happy. Does that not seem like an oxymoron? Happy are those who are persecuted? Happy are those who are reviled? who say all kinds of evil against you, how does that work? Well, happy is because we are suffering with Jesus Christ. Because he suffered, we're going to suffer. We find happiness in that. Not in the persecution itself, but the fact that it aligns us with Jesus' own suffering. It also is evidence that we're God's that we've been adopted into the family of Christ. So if Christ has been persecuted as his heirs and children, we are also going to be persecuted. So persecution actually is an evidence of our redemption. And there's also a reward. So we rejoice and are glad in the reward that our persecution is going to bring us. So I found an example of how that happens with the apostles. So they went before the Sanhedrin, which were the Jewish judges, and they got flogged, 
which is a form of persecution, and they were told not to speak about Jesus anymore. But look what their response is. Rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the sake of the name. So ladies, instead of feeling fear when you're persecuted, we're to be rejoicing. I know it sounds bizarre and it's like an oxymoron, but God says, rejoice and be glad for you have suffered for the sake of Christ. So fear not. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, opens up up a door to go and make a disciple, to preach the good news, rejoice. Understand that there will be some persecution but rejoice and be glad because you are suffering for the sake of Christ and you will be rewarded in heaven for that. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we are so thankful that the Holy Spirit is greater than Satan who is in this world, that we can overcome our fears through the Holy Spirit who empowers us, who emboldens us. We thank you, Father, that you never leave us nor forsake us that you loved us so much to die on the cross for us. Help us to keep that in mind, Father, as we go out boldly proclaiming your word, making disciples of all nations, teaching and preaching the love of Christ. Father, we thank you that you deign to use us as your ambassadors. Help us not to be fearful. Help us to go forward in faith and to proclaim the truth so that we might see those who are dead in their sins and trespasses Come to know the love and the life of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, ladies.